Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. I want to start off with this. The greatest teachers are those who don't just tell you what to do. They show you what to do. The greatest teachers are those who don't just tell you what to do. They show you what to do. And really, this is what makes Jesus so great. Is if anyone had the right, if anybody had the right to just tell you to do it without showing you, it would be God. But Jesus, what makes Jesus so great is that whenever he said, love the enemies, love your enemies, he didn't just say it while he was washing his disciples' feet of those who would disown him and one who would betray him. Jesus was down on his knees washing the feet of somebody who would betray him. He didn't just say it, he showed it. In your life, personally, you know the people that have had the greatest influence in your life aren't just those that have told you what you need to do to change. They have showed you what you need to do to change. Even the context for when Jesus said in the first century, whenever we hear Jesus, or whenever we read in the four gospels, when Jesus said, follow me, right? He had his, his 12, and the four gospels document a couple of those times. One, where the tax collector, Matthew, a crooked government employee, not all government employees are crooked, but <laughs> Matthew, right, right, Dwayne, Dwayne's like, hey, I work for NASA, bro. Get off me, okay? But honestly, right, you've, 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 you've got like Matthew who was a tax collector who could rip people off. Jesus went up to him and Jesus said, follow me. Peter, James, and John, fishermen, like run-of-the-mill, blue-collar, lunch pail, go to work, go home, take care of the family, do your deal. He went up to them and said, follow me. Now, the thing is this, when, when we normally hear the words, follow me, what we think is Jesus was saying, hey, come and learn what I know. But the context of discipleship in the first century when Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't just saying, follow me so you, so you can know what I know. He was saying, follow me, not just so you can know what I know, but so you can literally be me. That's what being a disciple is of Jesus. It's not the transfer of knowledge. Christians have way too much knowledge, y'all. Christians are this, educated beyond our obedience. We've got more Bibles than we know how to count. How many of you got at home? I got 12, 15, 18 Bibles, most of them collecting dust. We've got the Bible on our phones. We can go anytime we want, any translation, different languages. It's not many times the fact that we don't have the knowledge. It's that many times we misunderstand what following Jesus really means. It's not just the knowing, it is actually a following, and it's not just the following, it's as you follow, you literally become like them. There was actually a slogan that the first century rabbis would actually pray, they would pray over their disciples, they would say, may you walk in the dust of your rabbi. Essentially saying, may you follow your rabbi so closely, so not miss one word, one teaching, one interaction, one thing. May you follow him so closely that you're following so, so closely that the dust of his sandals, that as you follow so close, would actually cake you because you're following him in his dust. I think sometimes we just only see Jesus as king. Y'all, Jesus is king. He is the king of all kings. 
And scripture is clear on that. He is not just savior, right? He's the one that lived the life you could not live, a perfect life, died the death you should have died in your place and for your sin arose and defeated your greatest enemy, Satan, sin, and death. He is a savior. But he is not just king. He is not just savior. He is our example. And he is not just the example. He is a master teacher who didn't just tell you, he shows you. What Jesus invites us into isn't just to have him as king, which he does. Isn't just to have him as savior, which he does. Jesus invites all of us into the master class of life. Has anyone seen this trend of master classes? Everyone got a master class. Anyone that can do anything has a master class. For $39.99, you could know how to whatever. There's actually masterclass.com. I had this great idea a couple years ago. Jackson's been into basketball. And he really likes basketball. One of the, is Jackson in here? Good, okay, cool. Um, he has the, one of the ugliest shots I've ever seen. Just flat out. I love my son. Love my son. But he has developed this like two-handed thing, which I'm like, even, even I recorded him, right? Like to where he comes up, he's looking like he's about to shoot with his right hand. Then he kind of does this whole like double-handed and he follows through with his left. I'm like, Jackson, this is not God's will, brother. We've got to get this fixed. Now, here's the thing, right? Technique-wise, I know it's because he's not using his legs and he's not getting his whole body into it, so he's trying to compensate by, by using his arms, okay? So I was like, oh, yo, I'm going to get him a... Because here's the thing, Stephen Curry did a master class on shooting. I'm like, man, Jackson's going to eat this up. Eat it up. Man, so I bought it. You know, I bought the master class. I'm like, Jackson, I got a master class to know how Steph Curry shoots, shoots the ball, like taught by the greatest himself. Jackson was like, okay, cool. I'll watch it. 15 seconds in, could not even watch another second. He was bored, didn't want to know how to do it, and I was like, dang it. But how many times do we do the same thing with Jesus? Jesus offers a master class on life. Because here's the thing, Jesus doesn't just want to be your king, he does. He just doesn't want to save you, he, he does. He also wants to be your example and your master teacher on this thing called life. Christianity doesn't just save you and send you to, to an eternity filled with God's presence. It is the best way to live right here and right now. And that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus offers us. We've been in our series called Thy Kingdom Come, right? We've been learning what does it mean to live in the kingdom of God. Jesus only mentioned the church twice, but he mentioned the kingdom of God over a hundred times. He even prayed, thy kingdom come, thy, thy will be done. He even, he even like started off a lot of his teachings by saying the kingdom of God is like. One of the main meta-narrative principles that Jesus was trying to teach his followers was to live in this kingdom that is available in here right now. And what I said with our church, I want this to be the year we learn to live in the kingdom of God. Not, not how we make you a better church person, but how we make you a better kingdom citizen of the king of kings and lord of lords. And so we said, this is going to be a year with the king. So I want to, re, I want to review briefly and, and kind of walk through where we've been going. And I would say, if you haven't caught all of the messages in this series, go on our YouTube page, Facebook page, Spotify page, and check those out. But here's the thing, kind of, kind of just following the flow here, right? There's a work that God does for us, which is what we could not do. Jesus came and lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you should have died in your place and for your sin. So now it is our job to respond to what God, through his son Jesus, has done. Our response, we talked about in the first week, is repentance. Repentance means not that just you feel bad, but you turn. Repentance is a returning and a rethinking, where you turn your life from going one way and you go the other way. So we talked about repentance of the poker chip going all in, right? Then we said, what do you turn to? So once you turn, what do you actually get? You actually believe and receive the gospel. 
the good news, the, uh, the announcement that what God has done through Jesus Christ. So we actually receive that. And what happens to our identity whenever we believe and receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? We become what, what we talked about last week, born again into the kingdom of God by the spirit of God. So what I want to talk to you about today is how to now live out this born again life that you have received from God living in the kingdom of God. From the master teacher, Jesus, who invites us into his master class on living in the kingdom of God. Matthew 11, we just, we, which was our focus scripture for today. I want to actually read it one more time. Ladies, I know you're probably going to help me. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Now, here's the thing. I want us to focus on the phraseology that Jesus uses, and I want you to feel the personal connection that Jesus says. Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show, I'll show, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, right? So he says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I want to just point out some words here. Can we go ahead and throw that, the first one up? He says, come to me. Or, or, or this is what he says. He says, I'll, I'll show you, right? He says, secondly, walk with me. He says, I'll show you. Work with me. Walk with me. Watch how I do it. Do you, do you see this personal nature that Jesus is inviting us into? He's not just saying, hey, come and figure out the kingdom of God. He says, follow me and I'll walk with you. I'll show you. I'll work with you. I'll keep company with you. This is not something where we're just figuring it out. We have an example and master teacher that wants to show us and learn us a little something about how to live in this kingdom that is available to those who are born again in Christ. Isn't this good news? The kingdom of God is available, y'all. And that is my heart today, just to get you to see this and see that it is something that we can actually live in. The kingdom of God is like a world within a world. Learning to live in the kingdom of God is like learning to live in a reality within a reality. And I was like, how am I going to show this? I can't be bubble boy. But I somewhat did the next best, best thing, okay? Honestly, when I was thinking, how can I help you understand what we're born into and what we are learning to live in as a result of being born again? It is literally like you put on a world within a world. You are basically like now learning to live in the kingdom of God, a heavenly place while you are still physically positioned in the physical world. Even Jesus said this when, when talking about being born again last week. He said, you must be born of flesh, which is the world, but then you must be born of the spirit, which is born from above, which is born from heaven. And Jesus said, you can actually learn to Live in this kingdom reality while you are in this world. To where here's the thing. You are not so heavenly minded that you are of no 
earthly good, but you are so heavenly minded that you are finally of some earthly good. That we can, all right, y'all, this is hot. I'm not going to lie. I'm straight sitting there. I'm like dying. But this is what I need you to see that is available to you as you're born into the kingdom of God. That you can live in a new world with a brand new king. That though Joe Biden might be president, Jesus is king. And you can go and you just don't have to live in the world. You can live in heaven reality and then you can, man. And it just doesn't have to be something that you actually live in. It could be something that you bring wherever you go. This is my heart today, is to talk about how in the world you learn to live in the kingdom of God. And I share this with you because this is something that I have been on a journey of for the past three years that has revolutionized the way that I follow Jesus. That for so many years, starting off was all about striving and just, just, just doing, and, and it was wearing me out until I learned, come to me, get away with me. Are you burned out on religion? Are you burned out of trying your hardest? Are you burned out? Come to me, work with me, walk with me, watch how I do it. Learn, I'll show you. And then it was like, there is this new reality that I can live in that is here and is available. So how do you learn to live in the kingdom of God or a world within, with, within a world? Here is my thought. Jesus didn't do what Jesus did simply because he was Jesus. He did what he did because he trained. Everyone say trained trained to live in his father's world, the kingdom of God, and was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I think we can sometimes look at Jesus, well, yeah, Jesus did what Jesus did because he was Jesus. Duh. He was God. Let me remind you, Philippians 2 said he laid aside his divinity. He didn't lose it. Laying aside is different than losing. He didn't lose his divinity. He kept his divinity, but he laid it aside and put on human frailty, a human body, but, but disciplined his body. Just as Paul said, he beat his body and made it his slave instead of being a slave to his body and then was filled with the same Holy Spirit that you and I have access to every single day. Here's, here's, here's the thing. Jesus is an example to us of someone who was governed by personal discipline and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus shows us what is possible. And this should give you such hope to know what Jesus did, how Jesus lived, isn't just something you will never do. It's actually attainable and possible. Are you going to be perfect? Take that burden off yourself. You won't. You won't ever be perfect, and that's okay. God doesn't expect that. But that's why Jesus came, to fill in for your gaps, to fill in for your weaknesses. Jesus shows us what is possible. But the way that Jesus shows us what is actually possible is through this word, training. It's through this word, training. And this is what I think we miss about Jesus so much because we think he was just Jesus. Jesus' life was centered around and centered on training in the Father's world and then living out his Father's will as he learned to live in his Father's world. And this is what God is training us to do as we're going into his kingdom. Here's the deal. If you've been a part of LifeHouse any amount of time for the past eight months, maybe a year, we say this here. We are a church that is not trying to be like Jesus. What, what, what are we doing? We're, come, come on, that just blesses my heart. We even have shirts that have training over trying. 
Because I do not want a church that tries. I want a church that trains. Because you can't try hard enough to be like Jesus. The harder you try, the harder you're going to fail, the harder you're going to slip into guilt and shame and condemnation, the harder, and then you're going to be in this cycle of, I hate myself, I failed, leave the church for seven, eight months, oh, I'm a terrible sinner, I'm coming back. And Christians, this is Christian cycles. Instead of saying, I can't try hard enough to be like Jesus, I receive by grace through faith a new identity in Christ. I become new, born again into the kingdom of God. So now I'm not trying to be like him. I am now training to be like him. Because your identity is already secure in him. That's what makes Christianity different. It's you start from a place of love and acceptance. You don't start away from it and do good enough works to then get it. You start with it. You start with love. And then as you learn and train, you now live up and live out who you already are now in Jesus. This is what makes it different. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into is, and what my heart is, is here's the thing. At Lifehouse, we don't want a culture where we try to be like Jesus. We want to create and cultivate a culture where we train to be like Jesus, living in the kingdom of God. This is, this is what our heart is. You know, the church should be a gym. Church should, the church, honestly, should be like a gym. It should be a gym and a hospital. And what I, and what I mean, but the, the church has got to be a place where broken people can come and get healing where they can come and get wholeness, where they can come and not be okay and we're not barking at them. Oh, you've got two broken arms. Give me 100 push-ups. No, it's like we've, we've, we've got to do some love. We've got to do some physical therapy. Like we've, we've got to do some bandaging and some kind of like tree, you know, triage care. We have to be a place where people cannot be okay and they can come and get healed and they can come and experience the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Right, like that's part of what the church is. It is a hospital for broken people. Even Jesus said, I did not come for the 99 who are okay. I came for the one that was lost. He said, I came to seek and save. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. That was his heart. But the church is also a gym. Here, here's, here's the thing. I consider the vision statement of our church, not what we're trying to get from you, what we want for you. Anything we ask you to do, it is not so we can get something from you. It is so you can be shaped and formed to be more like Jesus and trained to be like him. When we ask you to come on Sundays, we're just not saying put your butt in a seat. What we are saying is every Sunday when you come and you submit yourself in worship and you lift your hands with people who are different than you, that look different than you, that vote different than you, that are different places than you, that are different socioeconomic levels than you, you lift your hands. You actually get a picture of heaven on earth right here. That one day when you go to heaven and it says every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be there and you'll be worshiping. Sunday is a preview of heaven. It is a preview of heaven in this hellish world where, where we get the opportunity to just come and then submit ourselves to God's word, where, where we prepare our hearts to receive the word of God. Y'all, this isn't about me preaching. This is about what the Holy Spirit is translating to you. That, that's, that's what I pray. Oh my God, I'm going to say a bunch of words. I'm going to stutter half of them. And as I do that, you're going to take it and you are going to translate it to be what people need. I'm not that good to give every person what they need, but God is. But as you submit and you surrender yourself to him, the Holy Spirit will then translate and be what each person needs. I see every Sunday as a seed. Every Sunday is a seed. You don't remember every single meal you ate, did you? But you know every meal got to you where you are right now. That's the way Sundays are. Every Sunday is a seed. 
It is, it, it is a meal. It's a buffet that we try to prepare for you to feed your soul. It's absolutely amazing. Every Sunday night, my, my middle child, Judah, who's probably my favorite. I'm just kidding. I don't have favorites, but he's, he's one of them. But they're all my favorite. But Judah, we will lay on the pillow, and he'll tell me, he'll literally tell me what he learned. I mean, last week it was the temptation of Jesus. Walked through every temptation and how Jesus responded. And I'm just laying on the pillow, literally almost in tears, because I'm like, this is a seed in this little nine-year-old's heart. Get your kids to church. Don't skip it, because it's a seed. You don't know what the Holy Spirit can and will plant. Seeds can lay dormant for years until the right moment, the right time, the right conditions to make it germinate and grow. I want my kids filled with 50 weeks a year of seeds. For if they're in my house, 15 years. 50 times 15, I'm a pastor. I can't multiply that. I can only count the offering and count. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 50 times 15, whatever that is. I w Every night, Bible story and prayer. Yeah, and, well, John, you're just trying to, to kind of just like force it on your kid. No, he's going to make his own, his own choice, but I want to lovingly influence him to what I believe is best. There's a difference between forcing and creating the atmosphere, the atmosphere of doing what? Influencing. And in my home, in my place, I'm not going to force him to drink nothing, but I'm going to put a lot of water out there so he can drink it himself. And these are what Sundays are, y'all. These are what Sundays are. It's a seed for your soul. One word from God can change everything. Or is, is every word that I say going to, no. Is every, but it's a, it's a meal. When we ask you to, to get in community through groups, we're just not saying that so just so you can fill your busy schedule with another busy thing. As you get into community and you see other people's needs, you see where other people are, you can actually maybe be God's hands and feet in meeting those needs. But then someone else can be God's hands and feet in meeting your needs as well. It becomes a place where we learn to grow in community. When we simply ask you, get in a place of serving in our church. Kids, production, first impressions, we're just not asking you to fill a hole or, or fill a gap. As you do something that is outside of you that serves someone else, it is a punch to the face of how culture is trying to train you to make everything about you. In the church, when we get out of just being safe and formed to just be all about us from what the culture is trying to do, and you actually, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to make a decision and serve someone else, it is a punch in the face to selfishness. It gets you out of you, and then you can be the hands and feet and love and serve someone else. Well, when we ask you to give and financially invest in what God is doing here, we're not, we, we know your budget's tight. We know it's a sacrifice. But here's the thing, as you give, you punch consumerism, and you punch greed right in the face by doing a counterformational act that helps shape and form you to be a certain kind of person, which isn't closed-fisted, but is generous. When we ask, anything we ask you is not about us. It's to shape and form you and to be a certain kind of person. We're a gym. That's what a church is called to do. It's called to be a gym. I see two types of training cycles in the church. And what my heart is, is that you would see how, that maybe you're in one or you're in the other, but you would see what our heart is at Lifehouse is what to cultivate. I want to talk to you about two different kinds of training cycles, how we train to live in the kingdom of God. Go and throw that first one up. What? 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 What is that? 
Oh, hold on. You know what? We actually have a third cycle that we need to talk about real, real, we talk about real quick today. For, <laughs> for all you Dallas, Dallas fans. I think we need, I think the Holy Spirit's saying we need to take a few moments and help our Dallas fans. For, for those of you here, for those of you here who don't know what this is, this is the cycle that Dallas fans have been in since 1995. You know, start off, season starts, you're beating on some bad teams, we're 7-2, and two, life is good, fans get really delusional. We them boys, uh, uh, we them boys, uh, uh, we them boys, right? So you got the we them boys rolling. And then, of course, it always goes, they choking in the playoffs just like they did last week. And then they got to hit the drive. Now, look, I, I can't talk. I'm, I'm a Jags fan. Okay, so I, I got nowhere to talk. But I saw this, and I was like, we're going to pause our service, and we're going to laugh at this a little bit. Okay, so y'all could just take that. Huh? Yeah, right, true, 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 facts. But um, anyway, anyway, let's go ahead and get to the real cycles here that we're talking about. Uh, okay, here we, here we go. So, so, <laughs> so here's the thing, thing, right? This is what I call the trying cycle. It says, yeah, like this is the trying to serve Jesus cycle of how most Christians live, about like what the cycle of most Christians looks like. Number one, it starts off, they need a burden, pain, or need taken by Jesus. But unfortunately, what happens here is we can want him to take our burden, pain, need, or, but we don't want him to take our sin. So we want Jesus to relieve a pain, but we don't want to actually go into godly sorrow. We go into what scripture calls worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is you feel bad, but there's no repentance. Where you have a feeling of, you, you know, like whenever, here's the thing, and Jesus will meet you in your need. My God, he will. He will start there because he's that good. You see in scripture, feeding people, healing people. He is not afraid to meet you in your need, but he loves you enough not to keep you there. He loves you so much. He'll meet you where you are, but he loves you so much not to keep you there. Right? So, so then it goes into worldly sorrow, which, like I said, worldly sorrow. God, thank you. You're the big man upstairs. Like, please, can we stop saying that? Calling the king of kings the big, the big man upstairs. I know, especially in country music, okay? It's like, that's like country music, right? It's the big man upstairs, right? It's like, okay, I, I get it. No, he's actually the king of kings and lord of lords, okay? But that's what happens whenever we want a Jesus to take away our pain but not our sin. And he just doesn't want to take away one or the other. He wants to take away both. But, but so then when we go into a worldly sorrow, which means we don't actually repent, we go into trying to be like Jesus. Which is, and really try, I mean, have you ever had someone say, yo, like when you've asked someone to go and do something, and, and they respond back, hey, bro, I'll try. I'm not going to lie. That, with my personality, that angers me. Because I'm like, when you say you'll try, essentially what you're saying is, is, is like, uh, you are not worth it to cement something in of letting your yes be yes or your, or your no be no. And, and, I, and here's the thing, right? I understand there are circumstances, blah, blah, blah. But whenever you say try, you're, you're kind of like saying if it fits. Which then, and really what happens is people don't change anything about their life and then wonder why they can't see change because Jesus can't fit, which then goes into Jesus becomes a what? Add-on. 
and this is what happens. Jesus is like, if, if, if I can fit you, Jesus, if, if I can fit church in, if I can fit, fit being in community, if I can fit morals, yeah, I know what you say about sex, Jesus, but yeah, that's, that's a little extreme. Money, that's a little extreme, right? It's like, if, and then Jesus becomes, he can, and, and, but then what happens is seven, eight months later, whenever that burden, pain, or need comes back, what happens? Cycle begins all over again. Jesus, I need you to do something. My marriage is in shambles. My job is crazy. My kid's acting a fool. So then we try the same cycle. Y'all, this is not God's will. This is not the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is not what God's will is for you to learn to train in the kingdom of the heavens and the kingdom of God. It's the training cycle. Here's the second cycle. The training cycle is this. You see your need for Jesus is the first thing. You see who you are and who God is. And you realize, I need him. I need to be saved. I need to be redeemed. I need to be made whole, which then goes into godly sorrow, which includes repentance. Paul said godly sorrow isn't just you feel bad, but there's an actual, I'm gonna turn my life, right? And then that goes in, into, now that you've turned your life, your fundamental identity has changed. You've been born again into the kingdom of God. Now you start to say, now I get to train and learn in the master class of Jesus because he's my king, he is my savior. So now I'm learning this whole life thing from the most incredible human being, teacher, God, savior, king, Jesus. So now you're in the world and you're training and learning to live in it. But what that actually means is to train, it can't just be something you just put onto your life. It's gotta be Jesus becomes the center, everything else becomes the add-ons. And this is where training falls short is when Jesus isn't the center where you don't reorient your life around him. And this is my will for us at Life. my will. This is my hope for us at LifeHouse, is that we are not a trying cycle church, we are a training cycle church. That we are not constantly like, are we saved? Does God love us? He freaking does. <laughs> Receive the good news. Repent. You're born again into the kingdom of God. Now get into the gym and let's train together to learn to live in this reality that is available to us through the power of the Spirit living in the Father's world. This is what is available to us. I love what Dallas Willard says. He says this, as Jesus' disciple, I am his apprentice. Everyone say apprentice. I love that word. How fitting is that word in the city of the home of the apprentice school? Literally, we have a school in Newport News named the apprentice school where people are apprenticing to be welders, apprenticing. I, I, I don't build chips, so I know. <laughs> that's all I know. They weld them. Uh, <laughs> electricians and painters and all that stuff, right? They're, what, but they go and what are they doing? They're learning. Having a learning mindset is so powerful. A training mindset, because training in that word means you're going to fail some. But when you're training, you're, you're saying, okay, if I, like, how can I do it differently? This is what Jesus invites it to. Anyway, Dallas, Dallas Willard says this, is, as Jesus' disciple, I am his apprentice in kingdom living. Isn't that a great statement? I am learning from him, Jesus, how to lead my life in the kingdom of the heavens as he would lead my life if he were I. Being his apprentice is therefore not a matter of special religious activities, but an orientation and quality, and quality of my entire existence. This is what is meant by Jesus when he says that those who do not forsake all cannot be my disciple. 
That emphasis upon the word all. There must be nothing held of greater value than Jesus and his kingdom. He must be clearly seen as the most important thing in human life. And being his apprentice as the greatest opportunity by any human being, that the greatest opportunity any, any human being has ever seen. Disciples are those who seriously intending to become like Jesus from the inside out, systematically and progressively rearrange their affairs to that end under the guidance of the word and the spirit. That is how the disciple lives. You just feel the power of that. Rearrange your affairs. This is what we're talking about whenever we're talking about the training cycle. Okay, but, but I'm gonna talk to you about learning really quick and then we're gonna be done. So I just wanna give you a few thoughts on learning to live in this. Learning to live in the kingdom of God. Training to live in, in the kingdom of God. First off, learning to live in the kingdom of God helps you to unlearn everything and learn why you learned what you learned in the first place. This is the reason why many of you, whenever you start to follow Jesus, things actually feel harder. Because you are becoming aware of all of these things that are wrong. <laughs> you are becoming aware and you're being convicted of by the power of the Holy Spirit of, by, of all of these ways you've been shaped and formed by the world. Nature and nurture. Let's call it, let's call it what it is. Nature, nurture. So you are now learning to live in a new way of life, and part of learning is unlearning. A huge part of learning is unlearning. A huge part of learning is looking at yourself and becoming self-aware of why you do what you do. Like some of you, why do you keep going towards abusive and toxic relationships? You're like, why do I do that? This is the same story. This is the same movie. I just keep replaying it. I keep being drawn towards dumb relationships that don't help me get closer to Jesus. You need to actually give the Holy Spirit time to, to actually talk to you about that. But part of learning to live in the kingdom of God is learning to unlearn. Some of you, like, you, did, like, you can't, like, when you're trying to unwind from the day, when you're trying to just take the edge off, you can't just have one drink. You drink the whole bottle. Or you drink the whole 12-pack. And you just think, well, I'm, I'm just trying to take the edge off. No, like, what are you running from? What emotion are you running from? What are you stuffing? This is the things that the kingdom of God will expose. Because he just doesn't want to piece you. He wants all of you. He said, love the Lord God with your heart, mind, soul, strength. You know what Jesus was saying when he said that? Er, peace of you. Er, peace. Er, peace of you. Mind, body, soul, spirit. He wants all of you, but he's that good because he won't stop it just to piece you because he wants the best for you. But this, a huge part of this and a painful piece of this will be coming aware of what you're not currently aware of. Becoming conscious of what is unconscious. That will be a painful part of the process, but it is God's spirit and love that will expose the lies and the false foundations you've been building your life on. Some of you, you when, when your bank account drops below a certain thousand dollar mark, you get freaked out. You, you need to know why that happens. Unlearning is a part of learning to live here. But, it's, but as you go in here, you'll start to unlearn. And as you actually un, unlearn, then you'll actually start to begin the process of learning. Secondly, learning to live in the kingdom of God helps you to live in heaven now instead of just living in heaven when you die. 
My God, can I preach this? One of the reasons the church is struggling is so many Christians just want to die and go to heaven. And without realizing Jesus' plan wasn't for you to die and get that. Like, he didn't go to the cross and die and raise from the dead, send his Holy Spirit. Just hope y'all make it till you die and get to heaven and be with me. That's my prayer. No, his, his, his whole thing in dying and raising from the dead and sending the Holy Spirit and giving you access to the kingdom of God was to actually be able to live in a piece of heaven before you live there for eternity. Not just live there, but actually be able to bring it wherever you go. You know, heaven and hell is simply, like here's the thing. Why would somebody want to go to heaven eternally when they don't want to live in heaven temporarily? I mean, honestly, he's like, how could God send people to hell? I mean, God's like, okay, if you don't want to live with me here temporarily, why would you want to live with me eternally? Heaven or hell is simply going to be a continuation of what you've committed to and lived on this side. I'm not going to get into the theology of heaven, hell, whatever. But that's what I see. Eternal life isn't just about when you die. Eternal life can actually begin right here and right now. That's why Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was saying, Lord, bring heaven, like bring heaven down. And we can actually do that through our lives. We can actually experience and learn to live heaven right here, right now. Before we get there for eternity, we can experience and taste it temporarily here. I, I am guilty of this. Every Thanksgiving... I cooked the turkey, Gordon Ramsay turkey. Look it up on YouTube next year. It's the best turkey out there. I'm serious. Just follow the whole YouTube steps. Okay, that's, but when my wife is making the sweet potato casserole and she's making the mashed potatoes and she's making the corn pudding and she's making the collards and she's making the ham and, and, and she, she's, she's, she's making the gravy. I can't believe Horse, Horseheads in New York, when I was 23 years old, I was spending my first Thanksgiving there in ministry we get to the table pastor there his kids are there got my plate i'm like hey where's the gravy and they were like we don't do gravy i said i'm done with this hell hell hole i can't this northern life is not for me i don't know what y'all do in this state of new york thanksgiving without gravy talk about hell on earth need to bring some heaven here but anyway you know what I go and do before we have the big meal? I go and get me a foretaste. I'm going in, and I'm giving me a little dab of mashed potatoes. I'm going in and give me a spoon, getting me a little bit of sweet potato casserole. I'm going in and give me some collards, give me some green beans, give me some mac and cheese, because what am I doing? I'm getting a foretaste before the meal. Let me tell you what Paul said. It gets even better because this is what Jesus had in mind. This is what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 1. He said, he anointed us, Jesus, set us, seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a, the same word there could literally be translated foretaste. 
In other words, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Saying the spirit of God births us again. We get in the kingdom of God and then we get a little taste of heaven before we go to the real meal when we die. Y'all, my prayer is that we would be, because y'all, here's the thing, as we learn to live this, as, as we learn to live in heaven here, now we start to actually pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Let me give you some thoughts. Here's the thing, eternal life can begin right now. Yes, but here's the thing, you can start to pray this in my family as it is in heaven, in my workplace as it is in heaven, in my marriage as it is in heaven, in my kids' sports teams, as it is in heaven, in my kids' books clubs, as it is in heaven, in Newport News, as it is in heaven, in Hampton, as it is in heaven, in Yorktown, as it is in heaven, in Williamsburg, as it is in heaven, in Crittenden Middle School, as it is in heaven. Wherever you go, you can take and bring heaven there instead of waiting to get there when you die. As you learn to live in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the heavens, you learn to then take it, live in it, and then can actually take it wherever you go. And instead of praying, God, bring, bring revival, you can then go, not, not say, God, bring it. You can go and bring it wherever you go. This is what living, this is what we can learn and train to do, y'all. This doesn't happen overnight, though. So I'm not, like, this is something that you'll have to consistently learn. But you know what? We have a good master teacher. Invites us into the master class. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. Watch me. I'll show you. This is a lifelong process. Thirdly, Jarvis, you can let it in. Come on up. We've got to land this plane, Jesus. Um, here's, the, here's, here's, here's the thing. The third thought about learning to live in the kingdom of God. Your teacher is Jesus, and your life is his classroom. Y'all, I need y'all to hear this. You will find purpose in life, more purpose in life, purpose in, in, in your pain if you see your life ultimately as the Lord's classroom because he's trying to teach you and train you and mold you and shape you to be like himself. And his curriculum is your life. But here's the thing, we're, we're all gonna have different classes we're all gonna have different experiences because everyone's life is different. You can look at someone, man, they don't got no issues. Are you sure? You don't know what they're dealing with emotionally. You're gonna see, oh, they got a real nice car in a real nice house. You don't know what they deal with every night when they're crying themselves to sleep in the bed. Everyone's got a different curriculum. And the worst thing you can do is judge your curriculum to someone else's curriculum. That's not the deal. Here's the thing, the curriculum is different, but the goal is the same. You know what the goal is? You know who the goal is? Jesus. Jesus said all things work together to the good of those who love him. Why? Because the point is, is that those things will work to the good if you allow them to shape you and form you to be like, all things can be good because God is so good. He can take all things and make it work for your good. And it, and it can be good because all of it can take and make you to be like Jesus, who is the ultimate good. But you will not view this unless you have your, your classroom is your life. Jesus is the master class teacher. And we need to train to follow him and follow him as he learned to live in his father's world. And we are learning to live in the kingdom of God. Is this, is this good news, friends? This is such good news. We're a training church. We're not a trying church. We are a gym to help get you in tip-top shape, trained to ultimately be like Jesus so we can go and be and bring the kingdom of God and its goodness and its ways and its values and its ethics and its purpose into every square inch of your life and this city and the peninsula. Go and stand up with me. 
Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.